Welcome to The Machine, a podcast from Waterford Institute of Technology. My name is Rob O'Connor and I'm a lecturer in the Institute and I'm joined on the podcast today by Glenn Collins of Trans Technology Associates and Susan Gallagher of Waterford Institute of Technology. And we're here to talk about artificial intelligence or probably better is my stupidity of artificial intelligence. So this will be a bluffer's guide to AI. And before any of our agricultural science colleagues get on, to us <laughs> thinking what AI is. Uh, we're not talking about artificial insemination, we're talking about artificial intelligence. Glenn and Susan, you're very welcome along. Um, I hope you're thank keeping you well. Yes, thank you. Now, you guys are here because there is a conference taking place this week on the 1st of March. Now, I suppose it depends when somebody's listening to the podcast. This could be in the future or the past or even the present. Who knows? Uh, such is the temporal nature of our existence. But there is a conference, Applied Artificial Intelligence AI2. It takes place on the 1st of March in Lyrath Estate in County Kilkenny, Kilkenny, which is a beautiful spot. And it is produced by Engineers Ireland. Uh, Susan, and you're the chair of the Southeast Branch of Engineers Ireland. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. We're the committee organising the, the conference, so I'm the chair of that committee. And Glenn, you are the kind of the main ringleader, rabble-rouser behind the conference, is that correct? I'm the conference director and I'm the person responsible for getting the presenters and the content of the conference, which I think everyone's really going to enjoy, by the way. So, no, there we go. So the, the conference and the presenters, I'm looking at some of the topics that are going to be discussed. Mm. So, again, you're talking about AI, which is quite a hot topic at the moment. It's... It's quite prevalent in the regular media outside of the technical press. Yes, um, yeah. You know, we talk about machine learning. We talk about a whole variety of things. I'm looking here at some of the conference topics. The importance of focus when building AI. Recruitment and AI. A case for automation using deep learning. Real-time deep learning and automated parking. Deploying real-time machine intelligence. Delivering AI capabilities to help healthcare professionals. And also how Ireland's third-level colleges are delivering AI technology. And what I think is interesting about that programme is that it's not just AI for a bunch of mathematicians, engineers and computer scientists. Right. You're seeing it hitting across multiple disciplines. Yeah. In fact, I would say the conference is really oriented more toward business people and the engineering and technical people who support business of any kind. Right. So the, the conference is about how AI is currently being used here in Ireland by Irish companies. So it's a very hands-on applied. This is not a future tense activity. Mm. This is a present tense conference. And that's what uh, people will learn is, oh, who else is using AI? What are they doing with it? Should my company be using AI? And I'm hoping that that's exactly what uh, answers they'll get when they come to the conference this Friday. So if we can just go back and maybe just define what AI is. Artificial intelligence. And maybe not get into too much of a philosophical debate about what intelligence is. But, but I mean, if, if you... If we picked somebody from, you know, just out in the street there and we talked to them about a modern AI system, they might talk about uh, an Amazon Echo or perhaps mm -hmm. Siri on a phone or one of those type of things. But it's a bit more than that, isn't it? Yes, a lot more than that, actually. But it's, a, it's not a difficult question to answer, but it has two parts. Go so for if it. You'll, Susan, if you'll forgive me here. Go ahead. Uh, AI started in 1956, really. And so we've had over 50, 60 years of research. And for most of that time, AI has been trying to capture intelligence that's in the human mind. So, Rob, you know, mm. whatever intelligence you have and Susan and you, our listeners, you know, whatever expertise you have, the idea was to somehow capture that 
in a machine-usable manner so the machine could mimic your intelligence. Mm. But the current thing that's called AI is based on a different technique called deep neural networks. And these networks, this technique, uh, which is then called machine learning using these neural networks, learns from data. It doesn't learn from humans. You, you feed it data. That data might be pictures, images, you know, right? And so here's a picture of a cat, here's a picture of a dog. And you show the machine enough pictures that are labeled, and they, it knows what the, what the image is. Then the machine gets very good at identifying new images and saying, oh, that's a cat, or no, that's a dog. Mm. It could be sound, such as our voices right now, or something from a sonogram in a medical environment. And it can... you. Again, the machine gets trained, so to speak. That's why they call it machine learning. The machine doesn't become intelligent. Mm. It identifies the patterns and structures that are in the data, and then it can re-identify that. So Siri and Amazon Echo, you know, these things are very good at identifying patterns in your voice. Mm. And then it's got currently just pre-canned responses to the voice patterns that it recognizes. So that's what AI is today. It's not the old AI, which was you know logical and intelligent reasoning and strategic, strategic like playing chess or something. Mm. No, this mm. is a pattern recognition technique that has broad applicability, and that's why it's different. For the first time, AI has delivered something that is commercially viable and useful to industry, and so that this time it, it's not going away. It's not a novelty. It has true market potential. So could you give me a practical example of one of these applications? Sure. Uh, process control is a good example. Uh, many of the businesses right here in Waterford area in the southeast and throughout Ireland and the world have some type of machinery and processes, whether they be chemical or mechanical or whatever, to make something. Mm. And as you make something, you have sensors, right? You measure temperature or how, how big or small something is and so forth. And so you're collecting data, and most of these systems now are computerized. So you have lots of data, and that's where AI can be applicable. So instead of just the normal data analytics that kind of look at the data and use some mathematical formulas and say, you know, uh, make this bigger, make that smaller, make this hotter, make that colder, instead, the machine can learn from the data patterns and even better optimize these processes. So there's an example that's being used actively in the pharmaceutical industry and in the manufacturing of semiconductors right here in Ireland today. And Susan, so what is the role of Engineers Ireland in this? Uh, well, Engineers Ireland role in the Southeast is to hold uh, events throughout the uh, different locations in the Southeast. And we look to have events encompassing as broad a range of disciplines as we can. So we were at the start of the year thinking what type of events would we have? Most of them are for engineers and how could we have it as diverse as possible? And when we heard about Glenn's suggestion for the, the conference, mm. we jumped at that uh, because it, uh, it would bring a, a lot of people together and it should interest people from a, a lot of different walks of life as far as engineering is concerned. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not an engineer. I mean, you could possibly say I'm a software engineer, although I pr mm. would probably use the term loosely uh, in, in my my understanding of an engineer. Uh, of yeah. an engineer. But that concept of, of somebody who wants to understand 
how something is put together and maybe various tools and technologies work together to create something greater than themselves alone. Uh, that yeah. That's maybe where I can see this, and particularly when it yeah. goes cross-discipline, and that's where it really becomes interesting. A hundred years ago, maybe not 1956, but, you know, <laughs> not too long afterwards, I would have studied a little bit of AI, and it would have been very mathematical-based. I was thinking about, like, these algorithms, like best first is one that mm-hmm. just rings a bell, and mm-hmm. some of our students who are doing game development would do game AI, but that's more or less about own pathfinding, which would be very similar to what you were talking about with the old AI. It's very much about a, a strategy. Strategy-driven. For, yes. for for things as opposed to machine learning, but machine learning does seem to be a topic that is coming up again and again. A couple of podcasts ago, we did one on data and big data, and we're kind of seeing an intersection here. And, and I think it's very important that we maybe talk about scale because you're talking about uh, something looking at pictures, listening to sound, or Process pulling through data. data. Mm-hmm. That's, you're not talking about looking at 100 pictures. Oh, no. No. I mean, could you give a sense of how many, what, what the scale would be? Yeah, so let's, let's use medical diagnosis. Yeah, uh, as, an, as an example, uh, we'll have a, Owen Carroll speaking from IBM Watson Health. And uh, in this case, you could take medical imaging because that's easy to understand, you know, imaging in this case. So you've got, what, X-rays, yep. MRIs, uh, CAT scans. All of these are some form of medical imaging that would look at, you know, some aspect of the body. All right, so even the best in the business, the best medical professionals we have, have have likely looked at thousands or a few tens of thousands of cases as a part of their education and their experience. So someone who's extremely well-versed, let's say, at identifying um, a malignancy or something in, in an image, from an image, yes. uh, would have looked at thousands of these, and, and we would be impressed at their ability, clearly. But what we can do with a machine is a machine can look at millions of these images, billions of these images, if you have that much data. Mm. And many of the medical establishments, especially the larger consortiums of hospitals worldwide or some of the insurance companies, have access to this kind of data. And therefore, you can apply it and, in a sense, teach the machine to identify malignancies with a better success rate. And we already do this, by the way. That's why I chose it as an example. This is mm. being done yeah. today. You know, it gets it gets specific, and the machine has maintenance requirements because you have new images or you learn new things, and so you have to teach humans, you have to teach the machine. Mm. But the same idea still applies, and it can get better at a repetitive task like that than we as human beings can be, mainly because the machine can see way more examples than we would ever see in a lifetime. So when you talk about the machine there, obviously not the title of this podcast, but the machine there, is that a physical nuts and bolts device that exists or is it something a bit more abstract? Is it just like a system that maybe has a camera and things like that? Uh, It's a great question. There are many different implementations. So just like any type of computer software, ultimately AI is computer software. Mm. Right, it, it's not a, it's not hardware limited or hardware dependent. Although you know you need big computing power to get it going and mm. to do the learning process. But then once the machine kind of has a learning database set up, you can shrink that down. And then, by the way, two or three of the companies presenting, uh, Mdalo and uh, Valio Vision Systems, already do this. They sh- they can shrink uh, the machine learning down to a chip. 
uh, soapbox labs. They're not presenting at our conference. They'll be at the AI Summit uh, in Dublin. Hmm. But uh, uh, Dr. Scanlon there, they they basically have this and can put it in children's toys. They do voice recognition for children's voices. And it's down on a small chip, and you can embed it then in a toy or in a learning you know, tool or you know, as an interface device for children. So same idea applies in that you don't have to have a particular kind of machine because it's computer software, so you can implement it in a variety of ways. Hmm. The, you talked about computation there and shrinking things down, but it is incredibly computationally intensive. And when we think about the journey that computing processing power has gone on in, in, you know, we're talking about the 1950s through to today, but even in the last 20 years, is this maybe one of the reasons why the promise of AI is starting to deliver now? Precisely. Uh, In fact, (laughs) AI and deep neural networks have become viable because of the intersection of two things. And one you've mentioned, that's computing power. Hmm. So particularly with NVIDIA's GPUs, where you have multiple risk type processing or you know reduced instruction set processing devices on a chip Mm. so in a sense you can now inexpensively or in a compact package you can have thousands of processors uh, even tens of thousands of processors Mm. to do things in parallel and most of this machine learning is massively parallel computing uh, friendly. <laughs> that's a great way to go. Cloud computing. You can distribute it across the cloud. So that's one thing is the increase in computing power has made it uh, viable. But the other is the data. The machine learns from data. And you do have to have hundreds of thousands or millions of cases for it to train the machine's learning, so to speak. And we didn't have big compilations of data until perhaps the last you know, 20, at mm. most 30 years. So the, the combination of the availability of data and the computing power made the technique of deep neural networks possible. What's the end point? Uh, that's Is a, there an end point? I, I don't have that crystal ball today, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's like any technology. Uh, likely no end point. It can continue to expand. But the key thing to know about the current AI, especially with so many popular articles that will appear in the Independent or the different n- newspapers, mm. uh, there's a wide variety of authors there who take different perspectives. But like any new technology, you can do good things with it. And as engineers, by the way, we have an ethical guide that has us protecting the safety of the public. And that's part of why Engineers Ireland is sponsoring an event like this. Mm is chartered engineers look out for the safety of the public. We would implement engineered software in a way that's ethical, it's based on integrity and, and things of that sort. But, uh, but fundamentally, it's up to mankind's uh, creativity as to what we do with it. But right now, it's a great tool to learn to recognize patterns. It doesn't have any more intelligence as in the traditional sense of strategy and problem solving, it's brittle. It, it, if you give it something that's outside what it learned, it can't handle it. Mm. So there's a great deal of work still to be done to take this further. But this is the first really useful technique. And so that's why you're going to see real estate companies, uh, financial, you know, looking at financials data, the pharmaceuticals, the semiconductor industry. We've got a company that does human resources mm, yeah, using machine learning as a part of their the key part of their business. Mm. So who would have thought that when you said AI, 
that these other types of businesses, the non-techie, so to speak, kinds of things would come into play. But that's exactly what's happening, and I don't see any limit right now. I'd like to go back to what you spoke about with the ethical issue and, and, and the Engineers Ireland angle, because I think it's quite interesting, because there's there's been a lot of stuff in the news over the last couple of years, particularly about social media and systems built by software developers as opposed to engineers that have no this is, this is true right so all, all joking some, some like, are both yeah. right. <laughs> no no but but I mean we think about like big social media platforms and systems that are built on top of those that have had uh, an awful lot of ethical red flags raised by them yeah. but the ethics of software development was, is not really it's not really something that is considered too much it's just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something but often a programmer doesn't think they just go ahead and do it. And um, is one of those the main differences with an engineer in that you guys think about these things, Susan? Well, ethics is is part of 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 one of the competences of an engineer. It's it's one of the 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 things that you need to consider to become a a, a chartered engineer, which is our professional title. Hmm. Uh, we do bring it in a bit in term, into education as well. For example, I have uh, a module that I do on innovative technology and I look at responsible innovation in that. Mm. So it's it's brought in, uh, but maybe in roundabout ways kind of thing rather than now we're doing ethics. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's it's, it's probably per- there in, yeah. in your area too. Yeah, it yeah. is. It but is I think it maybe it's yeah. the fact that engineering as a discipline goes back a long time whereas yeah. kind of computer science as a discipline is r- really 60 70 years old as modern computer science mm-hmm. obviously people were doing stuff beforehand and that's yeah. maybe the difference is that because it's quite a young discipline yeah, some maybe, of these issues yeah. are cropping up uh, mm. i don't know but hopefully as we see a confluence between them with en- with engineering and and other more established disciplines those ethical concerns hopefully will be addressed from the start rather than tacked on later after there's been after the horses bolted yes, um, <laughs> g- g- one of the alarms that is often raised in the press when we talk about artificial intelligence is they're coming to take our jobs they're going to you know remove us where humans are going to be defunct mm-hmm. what do you say to that Glenn well that was actually the news headline when uh, steam power was invented yes <laughs> and then it was the news headline again when electrical power was invented and it was the headline when computers first, you know, were invented. And uh, here we are again. Mm-hmm. So uh, deja vu. Uh, of course, any new technology, it's going to displace certain jobs. That's why the technology gets developed, you might say, is to find a more efficient or more cost-effective, more less error-prone way of doing something if you can mechanize it or have a machine do it. But the things that we're looking to mechanize initially are the more boring jobs, right, mm. for humans, the repetitive, you know, mind-numbing types of tasks. But at the same time, without fail, every new technology has created new jobs. It, it, it's created a, a vast variety of jobs. Now, they require some training, and so that's why I asked Dr. Martin Hayes, uh, who was a personal friend, to speak at the conference on behalf of the educational institutions here in Ireland. He's from UL, isn't he? He's from UL, yeah. that's correct, head of Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering there. And also Edmund Connolly, who's the Southeast Regional uh, Skills Forum Manager. So he, Edmund's interested in upskilling 
Ireland, upskilling all of our people. So as as jobs change, which they do anyway, you know, whether we talk about it or it makes the news headlines or not, people need to reskill. They need to learn more. We need to stay fresh. So th- that's why we'll hear from people like that at this event. So how, how do people do that, though? What is the role of the human in this? Say, besides the engineer or the person directly working, building an AI system, mm-hmm. whether it's a physical thing or a software-based thing is, is irrelevant. What is the role of the human in this? It's the purpose behind the AI. That's where you'll find the human role. Why do you have the AI? Mm. What is it that you're automating? You're trying to either build something, accomplish something, monitor something. Take, uh, for example, security. Mm. Uh, you know, Monitoring, looking at cameras, security cameras and motion sensors and patrolling the grounds and you know, over, overlooking the physical security of some building or plant or group of people, for example. All right, that's something that you could easily automate because you've got image recognition. You know, you can detect the presence of humans, dogs, animals, machinery, vehicles, whatever. All right, so maybe you can automate a lot of that. And maybe some people in the security industry, you know, are mm. displaced. But what's the underlying purpose? It's, it's protecting people or protecting property. It's knowing what's going on. So there still has to be humans who are informed overseeing this seeing if the machine broke down, because look at all the automation. I mentioned steam and electrical. Yeah. How much maintenance does this stuff require? Mm. It's continuous. It's, it's just eternal mm. <laughs> maintenance. So those types of jobs are going to have to be there for continuous human oversight of everything we build. And so the, I don't see any worries for humans, or, or, in the, other than the sense that certain jobs, yes, mm. you, you know, but other jobs are going to be created, and that is the nature of everyday living, whether we had AI or we had a different technology. Yeah, it's interesting because on my notes here, I have like weavers and a loom thinking about it, the industrial revolution and mm-hmm. people, you know, somebody who hand weaved clothes. Reapers and threshers. Yeah, you know, you know or, or a horse yeah. and buggy driver giving out of it, the, you yeah. know, the automo- automobile. Yeah, or yeah they like had that. a reason to complain. Yeah. They, they did. And yeah. The, so if, if, if AI is going to displace your job, although which particular jobs, uh, that's not really reliable to predict as yet. Mm. But if it's going to displace your job, yeah, you have reason to give out about that. But mm. uh, like you said, so did the reapers and the horse and buggy drivers and so forth. And, and they found other things to do. But if we, if we go back to an, an earlier example that you used about the, the healthcare and computer imaging and, you know, being able to look at... MRI scans or x-rays of something and you still need a human there. A, a computer is not going to make a diagnosis. And even I know some of the earlier AI systems, back to the old AI, you would yes. have discussed these kind of expert systems that would have been there in the past. But you still had medical professionals, doctors and nurses and oncologists and, you know, whomever, surgeons looking at the image and they would make the call even though an expert system might have helped them make a diagnosis you're still going to have them there today and hopefully it means that they can free up their time to do more interesting things than a lot of the the donkey work precisely i mean yeah. i think i think it's a great example that i would think is extendable to many other domains and that is medical doctors today are overburdened personnel in general yep. there's not enough of them mm. right so if we can create a computer-based aid, think of it that way. It's like a, a, a new physical assistant, you know, a, hmm. a new PA that can assist the doctor and say, 
our indications are that this is the condition of the patient. We believe they have this malignancy or they have this type of sickness based upon the, you know, the data that, that we have about the patient that we've been able to read. And then, but still, the human being is going to know whether that's reliable and to rubber stamp it or whether to question it or what to do with the machine's work. So the machine is an aid to speed it up, and I believe that that's analogous to what we're going to see most of this AI do, is speed up experts at one thing or another today, and that's mm. a great example. Before we finish up, can we just go to maybe something a bit more personal? Because, Glenn, you have a different accent to Susan and I. And oh, that, how, how, that how, showed through, didn't it? <laughs> but how, 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 how does... Glenn Collins from uh, from Georgia originally. How do you end up here in the southeast of Ireland organizing a conference on artificial intelligence in Kilkenny? Well, I'm married to a lovely woman who has dual citizenship. All of her grandparents were born in Ireland, so she, my wife Celine's an Irish citizen. Ah, fantastic. And she has relatives in Kilkenny, and we've planned for many, many years when we retired to settle in Ireland, and Kilkenny came became the, the target location. Hmm. So we've been here two years, and I immediately, I mean, retired is kind of a quotation marks around that word for yeah, me. I don't uh, think you're retired. I, no. I can't stop doing things. So I got involved with Engineers Ireland, and they were gracious enough to uh, grant me a chartered engineering uh, title here so I can do engineering work like I did in the USA as a professional engineer in the U.S. And here we are. So this was uh, – an idea that we had with the committee here of the Southeast region to do this AI conference, since it's something I knew people in that area, and here we are. And I, I'd be interested to find what, what your perspective is on the the industries and the state of play here in Ireland. Say, coming in from, from America two years ago and coming over and seeing state of engineering and technology in Ireland, what, what was, it, was it what you expected? Yes, it's what I expected. Uh, I've only seen a microcosm, you know, mm. of, of what you have here in Ireland. In fact, Susan's probably better qualified to answer this than me. But of what I have seen, it it's a, it's a mix, just like industry is in the USA, in that there are certain areas where Ireland uh, excels. And in fact, three of the companies presenting were in a Forbes article from November uh, that said Ireland is rapidly becoming the AI island. Mm. So we have some... We have an edge. We have some uh, niche ability there, but we need to hold on to that as a, as a country. We need to expand it and grow that, and I want to contribute to that, and this conference is one of those contributions, and so does this committee, and Susan is our chairperson. You know, we, we want to expand our, com our country's abilities in technical areas because in, in other ways, maybe if you, you then move to some other discipline, all right. Maybe we're not in the lead there. Maybe you know. Maybe we're taking a back door because there have been articles just mm -hmm. recently published that have said, "Oh my goodness, Ireland's educational establishment needs to get up to snuff." You know, yeah. on this or that. Mm -hmm. All right. F fair play. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The, so we've got some advantages. Hold on to those advantages. Let's work with our government people and those who are promoting industry in the nation to hold on to the advantages. And then where we're weak, let's be upfront about that. And come up with a plan and implement it to shore those areas up. And I think that's exactly what we're attempting to do with this conference. So considering that AI is cross-discipline, 
let's say somebody was thinking, you know, I'd like to get into this or this is something I'd like to learn about to be able to future-proof my career or, or whatever. What discipline areas do you think somebody should be studying? I'll start with yourself, Susan, then we go back to Glenn. I'd say any, really, because you could look at so many disciplines that... Maybe not buggy driving. <laughs> <laughs> that anything, in t- anything in tech, maybe not buggy driving. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, say my discipline is civil engineering. So my first job when I left college was I had to go around. I was in Dublin. We need to go around the city and find out what the water pressure was in different points to see if everyone in the city would have sufficient water pressure. Mm. Turn on your tap, the water comes out. And we'd managed to get to 100 points in a day. Now, if there were sensors and things like that around the place, you could do that so much quicker. Yeah. And you could get information an awful lot more information because we could only choose a point, leave a logger there, come back a few days later and get a snapshot. But you could do so much. And that's just one. That's just my discipline, which is probably the most traditional. So I'd say any discipline within engineering is going to need AI. Well, I can give you some examples of who's coming to the conference, if you like. Please do. Uh, Yeah, that'd uh, be great. uh, From some of the academic institutions, we not only have what you would expect, and that would be some of the engineering disciplines like electrical and mechanical and computer and uh, people that are focusing on gaming, all right? That's, mm. a, that's a discipline. But we also have uh, folks who collect statistics in the leisure industry, right? Because, again, this machine learning can learn from statistics, mm. all right, in any area. Uh, sports. So we have a whole group of people coming who are into sports statistics. Think of the movie Moneyball, for those of you mm. who've seen that, you know, where, at least in the American game of baseball, they chose the players based upon specific statistics they were looking for, and the team was very successful based on that. Same idea. You can apply this new optimization technique of machine learning anywhere there are statistics. Well, that's found in financials department and we got people from the business departments coming, you know, who are doing accounting and those, those types of financials and, and uh, fiscal planning and so forth. So there are a great many disciplines now and uh, you can get started by, you know, looking at various data science, uh, types of courses that would be a good foundation. Mm. Anything that deals with data, because the new machine learning learns from data. So if the more you know about manipulating and using data, then you're you're preparing yourself a good foundation to move into this area. I suspect this is a topic that we're going to return to again and again uh, on the podcast, in the corridors, in the classroom, in the real world, <laughs> uh, and elsewhere. Uh, I like to try to summarize every podcast with a cooking analogy because uh, I like cooking um, and often when we record this it's just before lunchtime today it's not uh, but I'm often hungry so it's a good way to uh, combine my biological needs with my intellectual needs but anyway cooking analogy we often use the restaurant as the kind of the, the staging ground and computer program is about doing a whole variety of things but I think what the AI is maybe in this instance, if we imagine that the user is the customer in the restaurant and the computer programmer is is the chef, the AI is a tool that can help with a lot of the donkey work. So maybe it can chop vegetables, it can, you know, prepare certain things that that are time consuming but boring uh, so that the chef is freed up to do more interesting things with his or her time. Would that that be reasonable? I like it. 
Yeah. Okay. Bring great. it on. Yes. Let's, let's go do that. Managing. Cooking and yeah. stay working. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right. If you want to find out more about the Applied Artificial Intelligence Conference AI2, uh, you can check out AI2, that's digit2.ie. Uh, the conference takes place on the 1st of March. So whether that's in the future, the past or the present for you, you can still check out the website and hopefully there'll be more of these conferences coming in the next while. If you want to find out about Engineers Ireland, where should somebody go? Engineersireland.ie is... For- <laughs> very, easy to, to very easy to do um, and if you want to find out more about us we're on Twitter machine underscore podcast I set up a Facebook page as well for this that has nothing on it yet because I'm just not really into it uh, but if you want to find out more about us just go to Waterford Institute of Technology website and you'll find us there uh, to Glenn Collins and Susan Gallagher thank you very very much for having a chat today best of luck with the conference and hopefully we'll talk to you both again soon thank you thanks very, very much, much Rob. 